0: you would turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 page 1129 if you want to use the Pew Bibles and we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 33 as Pastor Chris continues his series or rather really resumes the series that we started back in October, Creative Access, Persevering in hard places. Notice what Paul says, what he writes here in Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while." What has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time to gather here on your day to worship you and to hear from you. We thank you for the truth of your scriptures, Lord, the authority, the supremacy of it. And so, Lord, make us ready even now by your spirit with open hearts, open minds, ready to receive what will now be shared. Use Pastor Chris as he proclaims your truth to us, your word. Use him as your servant, as your mouthpiece. In your name we pray, amen.
1: Well, there's no doubt, is there, that we are living in hard times. Not as hard as other parts of the world, and that's often important for us to remember. But nonetheless, I don't think any of us expected 2020 to play out like it has. And we may be headed for even harder times in the future. And regardless of how you voted this past week, this pandemic and the polarization that characterizes our nation is not going away anytime soon. But there is good news this morning God's purposes are still being fulfilled in Christ. And one day soon, at any moment, His kingdom may come, and His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And that's why, because God is still fulfilling His purpose, we prayed, we planned, and we persevered in order to have our world outreach Uh, celebration this year. And yes, we had to make adjustments and we went from a week to a month and to these Sundays. But I am so thankful that God arranged it so that we had our guests and our partners who came and they did a fabulous job. And as you know, our theme is and was creative access, persevering to advance the gospel in hard places. And because of that, we couldn't always use names. We couldn't always uh, use their pictures. It, it, it was unique, and it was hard, but it was good. And as you can see, the flags are still here. And that is on purpose. Why? Because here at LifeBridge, missions is not a one-week event. It's not a one Month event, it's not something that we unwrap once a year, look at it, celebrate it, enjoy it, wrap it back up, and put it back on the shelf. No, God's mission for our church, God's mission for each of us, is an ongoing day-by-day lifestyle. So, we return to our series of persevering to advance the gospel in hard places during hard times. And in the previous two messages, here from Romans 15, we learned that we need to partner to advance the gospel in hard places. But to do that, we also need to persevere to bear fruit in hard places. But today, our passage in Romans 15 reminds us that we must provide gospel support in hard times. You see, everything in the passage that Pastor Bruce read tells us, it, it just beats with Paul's passion. And his passion is this, for local churches to provide gospel support in hard times. For local churches to provide gospel support in hard times to those who are sent. And we see this uh, very clearly in these verses. Look at verses 24 and twenty. He says in verse 24, Whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way. Helped on my way is a technical phrase and a technical word in the New Testament. It means to be sent forward, to be thrust forward, to be propelled forward. And in 3 John, John uses it in this way, Send them forward in a manner worthy of God. And so his idea is, look, I want you to support me and send me forward. Drop down to verse 28. I love how he says this. He says, therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. Literally, I will go through you to Spain. Wow. I mean, that is a dramatic picture of gospel support. And that's what our guests and our partners do. They come to our church, and they go through us, and by means of us, they go to hard places to reach the unreached. But why does Paul, in this passage, make so much of his travel plans? Well, here I want to very quickly just show you that Paul's travel plans picture what we support and why we sin. Where he's going, these cities in this location picture what missions is all about. What we here at Lifeview, LifeBridge see as biblical missions. And so let me t- let you look at this. First, he's going to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem pictures planting churches by evangelism. Why do I say that? Because Jerusalem was the first church that was ever planted on this planet. In Acts 2, you can read the story. The Spirit comes down and the gospel is preached and the church at Jerusalem is born through evangelism. But missions is more than church planning and evangelism. Rome, a church at Rome, pictures establishing churches by discipleship. The church at Rome represents a church that has been established, grounded, built up, and strengthened through discipleship, and if you remember, uh, in our first message, we talked about that the letter of Romans reflects a mature, established church that has been established in the gospel. But missions is more than planting churches by evangelism and establishing them by discipleship. Spain pictures multiplying churches by missions. Spain represents multiplying local churches by sending missionaries to reach the unreached in hard places. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Paul says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. Well, the people in Spain were considered those barbarians. Listen, Paul is writing this passage in Romans. He's writing to the Romans. And God is speaking to us this morning about providing gospel support in hard times. And why is that? So that local churches will be planted. They will be established by discipleship, and they will be multiplied through missions in hard places to the ends of the earth. But then that begs the question, what does gospel support look like? Well, it can look like many things. In fact, there's eight practices of gospel support. But in this passage, we see two of the most important ones. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. Two ways to provide gospel support in hard times. And it comes down to this give faithfully in verses 25 through 29, and pray fervently. Praying and giving. These are the two ways. Let's begin with give faithfully look at give faithfully in verses 25 through 29 Paul as I have said is explaining his tra- travel plans to the Roman Christians and he's going in a specific order first Jerusalem then to Rome and through Rome to Spain now why is Jerusalem such a priority for Paul and here's the reason why because Paul along with a team of at least seven Christian leaders representing the churches that he had already planted in the eastern part of the empire, primarily Gentile churches. They were bringing from their churches a offering, a financial offering, or we might call it a love offering. Paul calls it, in verse 26, a contribution. It was a financial offering to help the poor among the saints in the church at Jerusalem. This is often called the offering for the saints in Jerusalem. This offering or collection was for the poor in the Jewish church, and it came from the primarily Gentile churches. And listen to me, Paul considered it one of the most important ministries he ever did In his entire life. In fact, we don't often realize it, but it's talked about throughout the book of Acts and through his letters. It's talked about in Acts. Uh, He mentions the beginning of it in the book of Galatians, the very first letter he wrote. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He talks about it here in Romans, and he even talks about it in the letter to the Philippians. This is an important offering, okay? But why was it so important for Paul to talk about an offering for the church in Jerusalem to the church in Rome? Because first he was going to go to Jerusalem. They're not even going to be able to take part in it. And you may be asking this morning, why do I care about the offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem? Well, let me tell you, here's why. Because I believe, and when we study this offering, we study these verses we're about to look at, we will learn why we should give faithfully to world missions. In fact, I would say to you in verses 26 through 29, these four verses present four reasons why we should give faithfully to world missions. So let's look at them. The first is this, gospel generosity is a delight. Gospel generosity is a delight. Look at verse 26. For the Macedonia for Macedonia and Achaia, and that represents numerous churches. The church in Thessalonica, the church in Corinth, uh, the church in Phil... I mean, it just represents a whole lot of churches. They have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Now, here's what you need to realize... Throughout the New Testament, the church at Jerusalem was known for having a lot of poor people. Not everybody was poor. It says the poor among them. But they were poor. And when you look at the book of Acts, you can come up with some of the reasons. They, they seem to have a large number of widows in Acts 6. They endured a lot of persecution after the stoning of Stephen, Acts 7 and 8. They also had a famine in that land 10 years before Paul wrote this. You can read about it in Acts 11. But whatever the reasons for their poverty, here's the point. The Gentile believers in the Gentile churches that Paul planted were delighted to meet this physical need. Paul says two times right here, they were pleased. And in writing to the Corinthians, he says they were happy. They were eager. They even begged for the opportunity to give. Please let me give. And listen, before we uh, lift them up too high, just like us, some found it hard to follow through on their commitments. And and, and Paul writes about that to the Corinthians. Hey, and and really, this is kind of how we are in our Christian life. We're eager, right? We mean it. We want to. And then comes the follow-through. But here's the good news. Overall, these Gentile churches were delighted to give in order to benefit fellow believers from another people group, in another culture, in another part of the world. And why? Why? Why would they want to do this? Because they had experienced gospel generosity through Jesus Christ. Here's how Paul says it to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8-9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, for your sake He became poor, so that you, through His poverty, might become rich. Listen, they were eager to give, and they faithfully gave, because Christ first gave Himself to them. And so, in freely receiving, they wanted to faithfully give to others. But listen, there's another reason to give faithfully. It's not only a delight for those who have truly received the grace of God in Christ Jesus, but it's also a debt we owe. It's a gospel. Gospel gratitude is a debt. This is the second reason we give faithfully. Gospel gratitude is a debt. Look at verse 27. Yes, they were pleased to do so. Yeah, it was a delight. But they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Twice he says it's a delight, but twice he says it is a debt. You see, the churches that Paul planted were mostly made up of Gentile converts. And the church in Jerusalem was made up of mostly Jewish converts. And Paul's saying, these Gentiles gave to the Jewish believers because if it weren't for the Jewish people and their covenants and their promises and their Jewish Messiah, you Gentiles would never have been saved. And that is true for every person who is not Jewish in this room today. If you're born again today, you and I owe a debt of gratitude to God's chosen people, Israel, and ultimately to their Messiah, Jesus Christ. Every one of us realized Jesus himself said this, salvation is from the Jews Paul has already said in Romans 1, to the Romans, he said to them, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone, to the Jew though first, and also to the Greeks and Gentiles. Listen, listen to me. If the saints in the church at Jerusalem had selfishly kept the gospel of Jesus Christ to themselves, these Gentiles would never have been converted. They owed a gospel debt of gratitude. And listen, church, we owe it to. We owe it it to. We owe it to our Lord. We owe it to God's chosen people, Israel. But listen, we owe it to that person or those persons who gave so that you could hear the gospel. Listen, if you're born again and you've crossed from unbelief to belief from doubting your salvation to the assurance of your salvation in Jesus Christ, it's because someone gave of their tithe, of their time, of their talent. And they gave and they listened to you and often probably put up with you and they persevered with you to share the gospel to you and we owe them a debt of gratitude. And we pay it By paying it forward so that others can hear. We give so others can hear. And listen, we do it generously. We do it joyfully. We do it thankfully. And we do it faithfully. Not out of a legal obligation of having to. It's not that kind of debt. It's a moral debt of wanting to. I get to do this out of my gratitude. Listen to me. Let me illustrate it this way. Have you you ever received a gift that was so unexpected, so generous, so lavish, so freely given that it just blew you away and you said, how can I ever repay you? What can I do for you in return? And the person says, no, no, it's my gift to you. But you walk away saying, What can I do in return? Why do we give faithfully to world missions? Because gospel generosity is a delight when you have received the gospel. Because gospel gratitude is a debt. And third, gospel advance is desire. This is in verse 28. He says, Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs... I will go on by way of you, or literally through you, to Spain. Now, you might be thinking, and I hope you're thinking, you should always be thinking when you listen to a sermon. I hope you're thinking, wait a minute. What does this passage have to do with giving to missions? Are you reading this into the text? I mean, after all, aren't the poor in Jerusalem already believers? And isn't their need physical and not spiritual. Where are you giving, getting, giving to missions out of this? I get it from the context. Because here's what's happening. Paul's desire is for the church at Rome, as they read this letter and hear about this giving of Gentiles to Jews, that they would understand, oh, He's inviting us to give in order that those in Spain may hear. Just as Gentile believers want to help another culture and another people group, so we should give so other people who have never heard in hard places, even in these hard times, we should give to a, so another people group in another place can be heard. They can hear the gospel and be saved. Listen to me. Listen to me. He is trying to motivate the Jewish and Gentile believers in the church at Rome to be united. This is a theme we've talked about in this series. Uh, Romans 14 and 15. Jewish and Gentile believers divided over preferences. Divided, maybe like in our day, over politics. Divided over things that were less important than the gospel. And he's saying, look... Look how these Gentile churches are giving to, to, to Jewish churches. You, two, you, you groups, get along and be united. But more than that, I want you to be burdened for the people in Spain who are unreached. In other words, we give faithfully to advance the gospel in hard places. And why do we do this? Why do we do this? We do it. Because we don't want to let this pandemic discourage us. We don't want to let this pandemic distract us. We don't want to let personal preferences divide us. Listen, God desires the gospel to advance in hard places like Morocco, like Turkey, like Mali, Tunisia, like Mozambique Island, and among people groups in all sorts of hard places all over the world. The gospel will not advance in hard places if we don't give faithfully. I like what our global partner, Richard Lewis, says, missionaries can't live on a God bless you. Missionaries can't live on a God bless you. They need finances to get where they're going. There's one more reason, and I just want to quickly hit it, and it's this. Gospel hope is displayed gospel hope is displayed and we see this in verse 29 look i know that when i come to you having led this offering into jerusalem i know when i come to you i will come in the fullness of the blessing of christ now i don't have the time and i can't read to you all the verses that i have there in your notes regarding this but i just want you To throw this picture out to you. Picture Paul, a Jewish believer, leading in his trail a group of Gentile believers representing the nations into the city of Jerusalem in the name of Jesus Christ, the King. I'm telling you, Paul and what he's doing in this offering is a picture, of the, a picture of the future fulfillment of the coming kingdom. Because Paul has already talked about in Romans 9 through 11 that when Christ returns and brings His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, the nation of Israel will be saved and the prophecies in Isaiah... And in the book of Revelation, show us that the nation of Israel leads the Gentile nations into the kingdom with their wealth and their riches. I believe that Paul is saying, look, we can get in on that now. We can help that to happen now. As we give faithfully for these nations to hear the gospel and as they get saved, One day, we will all be in a procession into the kingdom of God. And we will gather around that throne with people from every tribe, nation, people, group, and language. And your giving is tied to that. And I hope with all my heart that right now, your understanding of that check you write, or that online button you push, that it is bigger, it is deeper it is more significant than maybe you have ever understood because you are displaying your hope in the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you haven't made your faith promise commitment yet, uh, grab the card, go online. You can make your commitment online. But listen, we give faithfully to world missions because we delight to pay our spiritual debt, and we desire to advance the gospel as a display of our kingdom hope. But Paul knows that giving without praying is powerless. So Paul moves immediately from encouraging them to give faithfully to exhorting them to pray fervently for the success of this mission. And we see this in verses 30 through 33. Paul is saying, pray fervently. Give faithfully, but pray fervently. Giving without prayer is powerless. Praying without giving is pointless. Together, we advance the gospel in hard places. Let's look at verses 30 through 33. Now I urge you, brethren, And that is too soft a word. It is a strong word of command. I urge you, I command you, brethren, why? By our Lord Jesus Christ, his lordship, by the love of the Spirit, his love, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. And the first thing you see in that verse is for the third time in these three messages, Paul is emphasizing the Almighty Trinity again. And he says that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. He has two requests, to be delivered from hostility and to be delivered from disunity among God's people. And then verse 32, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Now, very quickly, here's what I want to do. I want to show you how you can pray fervently like Paul for our global partners. And he tells us three ways here. So let's take a look at them. First of all, pray with a warfare mentality. In verses 30 through 31, Paul uses a warfare word he says, strive together with me in prayer. And it's the Greek word there is the word we get our word agony from. Agonize with me. But it means wrestle. It means fight. It means strive with me. In other words, Paul's commanding them to pray with a warfare mentality. The only problem is we often pray with an Alexa or Siri mentality. You know what Alexa praying sounds like? Hey, God, give me this. Hey, God, tell me this. Hey, God, help me with this. Hey, God, where can I get what I want and when can I get it? We treat God like like he's the Alexa, I don't know, those little things that sit in your home, you know. That God is just sitting there always ready to do our bidding and all we have to do is say, hey, God. That 's an elect. we have domesticated prayer to where it centers on ourselves and our little circle, and Paul says, "No, no, no. Have a warfare mentality. Expand your praying to god 's redemptive purposes. There is a spiritual war going on for the souls, <laughs> and it 's beyond red and blue it 's beyond political and preferences. It's about the power of Satan to try to hinder the advance of the gospel. That's because Paul has two warfare requests, and here they are. Be delivered from the hostility of unbelievers and the disunity among believers. Listen to me. Listen to me. How much do we pray? How much do we pray about how Satan wants to hinder the advance of the gospel By hostility of unbelievers outside the body of Christ. And disunity among believers within the body of Christ. That's warfare praying. That's warfare mentality. Lord, I want to advance the gospel. But listen, that warfare mentality will be effective for this reason. We pray to the Almighty Trinity. We pray... To the Almighty Trinity. As I said in verse 30, Paul brings together the Trinity. And if you don't have your Trinitarian glasses on, you miss these things. Okay? Now, let me share with you, how do you pray to the Almighty Trinity? Well, first of all, he says, pray under the Lordship of Christ. Pray under the Lordship of Christ. He says, I command you, brethren. And it's not really me. I command you... By or through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the way he wrote this really emphasizes the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen, when we pray fervently to advance the gospel, we need to remember Jesus is Lord. He is the king of all kings. And he said before he ascended to the throne at the right hand of the Father, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And you know what that means? That means there's no place too hard that he can't save people. That means there's no time too hard that he can't save people. That means there's no hearts too hard that he he can't save someone. He can save anyone, anywhere, anytime. And so, beloved, we pray fervently. He is the Lord of the harvest who will thrust out more laborers. So we pray fervently, Lord, send them out. But we not only pray under the lordship of the Son of God, we also pray with the love of God the Spirit. He equates in this verse, he he combines the lordship of the Son with the love of the Spirit. And of course the beautiful chapter in Romans 5 where Paul tells the Romans the love of God has been poured in your hearts by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Listen, beloved, we should have a love for lost people that drives us to our knees. And Paul says in Romans 9 and 10, he wept and he wished that he could go to hell as a substitute for the people of Israel. That is the love of the Spirit for the lost. And we also pray for life from God the Father. Lordship of God the Son, love of God the Spirit, and life from God the Father. See, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Spirit. We pray to the Father who loves to give eternal life to undeserving sinners, and all that the Father has chosen will be saved. But listen to me, they won't be saved without hearing the gospel. So we give faithfully and we pray fervently and we in A, we do everything. We leverage all that we have so the lost will heal, hear the gospel. I like what that great preacher C.H. C. H. Spurgeon from England, he was known for his deep passion for the lost. And it is said that he once prayed, Lord, hasten to bring in all of your elect, and then elect some more. Okay? Hey, Spurgeon knew his theology. He knew that the Son was sovereign over salvation, but he understood the love of the Spirit and the the Father's heart who desires to give life, not death. That should characterize our And listen, because we pray to the Almighty Trinity, we can pray with gospel certainty. We can pray with gospel certainty. And that's what I see in verses 32 and 33. If you look at verses 32 and 33, this is the purpose of their prayers. This is the result. This is what everything in this passage has been driving to. And as I contemplated, uh, not even being sure uh, whether we were going to know yet who was our president. And believe me, this wasn't nothing like, when was it, 2000, 2002? 2000, okay. So, uh, you know, that went, what, 36 days. And Gwen and I and, and a team of us had the privilege of being in Romania, and uh, they have great personality, they have great humor there. So uh, every day I was kidded, you don't have a president yet, do you? You know, and so they were always anyway, I just thought about that this week. But thankfully, now we know. But listen, in the midst of all this uncertainty, we can pray with gospel certainty. Listen to these verses again. So that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And you know what I see in that? I see Paul saying there's a gospel certainty that God's purposes are being fulfilled in hard places. So rejoice in Christ. God's people are being saved even in hard places. So refresh one another in Christ. And God's peace will overcome in the end. So rest, rest in Christ's ultimate victory. And it's interesting in Romans 16, 20, and we'll get to this in this series, but I want to read it to you. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Listen, church, we have a gospel certainty that is guaranteed by the Almighty Trinity who enables us to give faithfully and pray fervently even in hard times like these. Amen? And so the application is really simple. If you haven't done so yet, you can make and hand in your faith, promise, commitment. You can do it online. But also, you can take the handout that was there in the back. And this also is on our website. And it is seven ways to pray like Paul for our global partners. It takes the seven requests of the Apostle Paul for himself and turns it so we can pray for our global partners. And let's pray right now. Join me, would you? Father, we come... Because you are a loving Father who grants eternal life to undeserving sinners like us. And we come in the name of the King, your Son, Jesus Christ. We come in the power and in the love of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that you would seal this message in our hearts. We ask, Lord, that we won't be distracted. That we won't be divided. That we won't let hostility defeat us. It's ironic, Lord, how you got Paul to Rome, but it was in chains. You got him to Rome, but it was through a shipwreck. You got him to Rome and he was bit by a poisonous snake. And yet you delivered him through it all. And he arrived in chains But he arrived in joy, Lord, because his heart was set on you. Oh, Father, give us this kind of joy in the weeks ahead. We have your spirit. We have the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, the gentleness, the kindness, the long-suffering, the self-control. Let us manifest that, that we might advance your gospel in hard times. And we pray this, Lord. For your glory, our good, and the joy of all peoples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is our time. You know, it's kind of ironic. Our application is our offering now. You know, this is our offering, and this is our time to worship God through offering. And you can give it in the back. The offering box is back there. You can give online. Many of you do. But listen, think through. Why do I give? and think through the four reasons that we saw. Let me end again, and also, if you need help, again, Christian, Gentiles, giving to help Jewish believers. If you need help, we have those resources because you have given generously. And so if you need help, you let us know. Let me end again with the benediction from Romans sixteen twenty. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.